Hello, welcome to Hidden History, an Odyssey Through Time. I'm your host, John Rodriguez, and this is the sixth episode of the podcast, Letters Lost to Time, the story of Sarah Rosetta Wakeman. Sarah Rosetta Wakeman was born on January 16, 1843, and she died June 19, 1864. She was an American soldier who served in the Union Army during the American Civil War under the male name of Lyons Wakeman. Wakeman served with Company H, 153rd New York Volunteer Infantry. She died in 1864 after contracting chronic diarrhea, a condition that killed thousands of Union soldiers who drank water contaminated by rotting animals. Wakeman's identity was not revealed during her burial. Her headstone reads, Lyons Wakeman. She was buried with full military honors at Chalmette National Cemetery in New Orleans. Wakeman's letters written during her service remained unread and stored away in an attic for nearly a century until 1976, when a family member finally made the connection between Lyons Wakeman and Sarah Rosetta Wakeman. Many women at the outbreak of the American Civil War did not know how to support their favorite side. The roles of women at the time were limited and none of them were direct involvement in the war. In the North and in the South, the war forced women into public life in ways they could barely have imagined just a generation before. Thousands of women in the North and South joined volunteer brigades and signed up to work as nurses to take a more active role in the war effort. It was the first time in American history that women played a significant role in a war effort. Some women became known simply as camp followers. There were two common types of camp followers. First, the wives and children of soldiers who followed their spouse or parents' army from place to place. The second type of camp followers have historically been informal army service providers, servicing the needs of encamped soldiers, in particular, selling goods or services that the military did not supply. Examples included cooking, laundering, liquor, nursing, and sexual services. Then there were women who went as far as to disguise themselves as men in order to join the army in search of adventure or out of patriotism. Money was also a great motive to join the army. Though the true number is likely much higher, we know of at least 400 women who disguised themselves as men to join the troops. We know about these women because they left behind memoirs or their true sex was found out when they were wounded or killed in battle. For some of these women, we have both the true name and their masculine alias, and for others, we only have the male name their fellow soldiers knew them by before they died on the field. Sarah Rosetta Wakeman was one of the hundreds of women who disguised themselves as men to fight in the Civil War. Unlike most of the women, however, the letters that Wakeman wrote home were preserved by her family and later published. They give a unique picture of what it was like to undertake and maintain such a masquerade. If her letters home had not been preserved, historians would never know that Lyons Wakeman was truly a woman in disguise. How many other female soldiers are buried under their enlisted names or unmarked graves, we will never know. What we do know is that there are many other women just like Sarah Rosetta Wakeman. Wakeman's story, hidden history that has remained long forgotten, is the story of a young woman committed to providing for her family in a world where her societal role was predetermined before her birth.
year was 1976. A lot was going on, so try and keep up. The Lutz family fled from 112 Ocean Avenue in Amityville, Long Island, New York, 28 days after moving in, later inspiring the story of the Amityville Horror. Three guys founded a company they called Apple Computer Company in the home of one of the founder's parents. America celebrated its bicentennial in recognition of the 200th anniversary of the 1776 adoption of the United States Declaration of Independence. And in November, Jimmy Carter defeated incumbent Gerald Ford, becoming the first candidate from the Deep South to win since the Civil War. Those are just some of the many events that occurred in the year 1976, but there is one event in particular that I would like to focus on. At some point in 1976, a man named Jackson K. Doan was helping his aunt go through her attic. There they stumbled upon letters stashed away in an old pine trunk that described the military experiences of a soldier during the American Civil War. Mr. Doan knew from old family stories that his great aunt Sarah Rosetta Wakeman may have been a soldier during the Civil War who went by the name Lyons, but older family members avoided the topic altogether. Then a connection was finally made between the two. Sarah, known affectionately by her family as Rosetta, had used the name Lyons to enlist in the army. Her defiance so embarrassed her parents that they told siblings too young to remember her that she was a boy. It would seem that sometime after the Civil War, Rosetta's letters, a photo of her in uniform, and her engraved ring came to rest in the attic of the home of her youngest sister's daughter, and there those items would remain until 1976. As I said before, a lot was going on in 1976, but that was also the year that Sarah Rosetta Wakeman's hidden history was finally revealed. Sarah Rosetta Wakeman was born in Bainbridge, New York on January 16, 1843, the eldest daughter of Harvey and Emily Wakeman. The Wakemans would go on to have nine children in total, seven girls and two boys. Rosetta's family had a farm and she grew up in Athens, New York. By the time Rosetta was 17, it was listed on the 1850 U.S. Census that she had attended some formal schooling and that she was working as a domestic servant. But there were issues at home, some of which may have eventually led Rosetta to leave. Her father, Harvey, was well known and respected in town, but by the time Rosetta was 19 years old, he was in debt. It also did not help that it seemed Rosetta may not get married anytime soon, which would have removed the burden of her care from her father. There also seemed to be some trouble with how Rosetta got along with certain family members, in particular her sister Lois. Rosetta would later write, quote, I want to drop all old affray and I want you to do the same, and when I come home we will be good friends as ever. This does not mean that Rosetta was not a valuable asset to her family because she was. Along with her domestic work, as the eldest child, she certainly served as her father's farmhand. Evidence can be found later in Rosetta's letters that she had a high level of interest in her father's farming. She had knowledge of the details of the farm, and she even had a desire to own her own farm after the war. It's even possible that Rosetta first wore the clothes of men while working on her family farm. We will never know the real reason Rosetta decided to leave home in early August 1862, but we can assume that a lack of money and family issues drove the eldest Wakeman away. Still, this did not mean that Rosetta did not love her family. In fact, she would later write that, quote, I knew I could help you more to leave home than to stay there with you. 
After joining the army, Rosetta sent home more money than she could ever make openly as a woman, unless she was a professional prostitute. In early August 1862, Rosetta left home and disguised herself as a man, setting off for Binghamton to look for work. There she signed on for manual labor working four trips up the Shenango Canal. Her pay would be $20, which she knew would help her family tremendously. But at the end of her first trip, she encountered soldiers who urged Rosetta to sign up with the 153rd New York Volunteer Infantry. Enlistees were offered a $152 bounty over a year's worth of wages. There was no way that Rosetta could turn down an offer this good. That money would help her family in more ways than she had been able to up to that point in her life. On August 30, 1862, reporting her name as Lyons Wakeman and her age as 21, Rosetta enlisted with Company H, 153rd New York Volunteer Infantry. On the regimental descriptive role, Rosetta is listed as five feet tall, fair complexion, with brown hair, blue eyes, and an occupation of boatman. The 153rd New York Volunteer Infantry was mustered into United States service on October 17, 1862 at Fonda, New York, and embarked for Washington on October 18. Private Lyons Wakeman was ready for duty. Once they arrived in the nation's capital, the 153rd was assigned the duty of protecting the city. Stationed right across the Potomac River in Alexandria, Virginia, Wakeman and her fellow soldiers performed guard and provost marshal duty and drilled in preparation for the day they would come face to face with the enemy. Despite the often tedious camp life and challenging conditions of life as a soldier, Wakeman wrote that, quote, I like to be a soldier very well. Much downtime potentially gave Wakeman time to write her numerous letters, which she signed using her birth name. Had any of her letters been intercepted, this act could have ended her military career. In a letter dated November 24, 1862, Wakeman told her family that her, quote, regiment is in camp at Alexandria, Virginia. We have had no fighting yet. We have to guard the city and stand on picket. I stood on my post all last night. Wakeman goes on to explain to her family how exactly she ended up in the army and said, quote, All the money I send you, I want you to spend it for the family in clothing or something to eat. Don't save it for me, for I can get all the money I want. If I ever return, I shall have money enough for myself and to divide with you. In another letter dated December 23, 1862, Wakeman wrote, quote, Mother, don't mourn for me, for if I never return, I hope I shall meet you all in heaven. I want you should forgive me of everything I have done, and I will forgive you all the same. So goodbye for the present from your affectionate daughter, Rosetta Wakeman. Wakeman often wrote about being financially independent, something many women of the time wanted. Over her years of service, Wakeman sent numerous and regular letters to her family providing a narrative of her life during the service. By July 1863, resolve in the North had hardened. The Emancipation Proclamation, which freed the slaves, had been in effect since January, and President Lincoln called for 300,000 volunteers to help reunify the country and free millions of enslaved African Americans. When recruitment failed, a draft was imposed in July 1863. Quote, Father, 
What do you think about that draft in New York State? Do you think that you will be drafted or not? I would like to know in your next letter. If you are drafted, I want you to come into my regiment and my company if you can. The Union had a decisive victory at the Battle of Gettysburg on July 3rd, a battle often described as the war's turning point, with another victory following on July 4th at the Siege of Vicksburg. While these victories signaled a change in the war fortunes of the United States government, there was still fear for the safety of Washington, D.C. This kept thousands of troops, including Wakeman and the 153rd, guarding the city for the remainder of the year. In a letter dated July 27, 1863, Wakeman wrote that, quote, Our regiment has left Alexandria, Virginia and gone to Washington. I am in hopes that this war will soon be over so that I can come home once more in this world. In early August, Wakeman wrote to her family that she had a view of the United States Capitol from her barracks. She described it as being, quote, 100 feet high from the ground to the top of it, and there is men to work on it all of the time. This building is made of marble stones. I have been inside of it. Wakeman went on to write, quote, I don't know how long before I shall have to go into the field of battle. For my part, I don't care. I don't feel afraid to go. I don't believe there are any rebels bullet made for me yet, nor I don't care if there is. I am as independent as a hog on the ice. If it is God's will for me to fall in the field of battle, it is my will to go and never return home. From Wakeman's letters, we know that by August 19, 1863, she was performing guard duties at Carroll Prison. This prison was located on Capitol Hill near 1st and 8th Streets, and Wakeman appears on the Carroll Prison Guard Reports during August, September, and October of 1863. She is listed variously as L. Wakeman, R. L. Wakeman, and R. Wakeman. Here's an interesting side note. During her time as a guard at Carroll Prison, Wakeman wrote a letter home about three female prisoners, two rebel spies, and one woman who was being charged with a crime Wakeman herself was committing, impersonating a man to fight for the Union. On December 28, 1863, Wakeman wrote another letter to her parents, letting them know she wasn't sure whether or not she'd be able to go home on a furlough that winter. She then goes on to say, quote, I don't care anything about coming home for I am ashamed to come, and I sometimes think that I never will go home in the world. I have enjoyed myself the best since I have been gone away from home than I ever did before in my life. Wakeman ends her letter by bringing up the thought of re-enlisting in the army for five years to, quote, get my $800 bounty. I could do that if I am a mind to. What do you think of that? On February 16, 1864, the order came in for the 153rd Regiment to be transferred to an active battlefield. The day after this order came in, Wakeman and the 153rd were directed to march to Alexandria, where they were, quote, going to Texas by the way of New Orleans via ship. Wakeman ended this letter, quote, I bid you all goodbye. Don't never expect to see you again. The 153rd New York Volunteer Infantry boarded the steamship Mississippi on February 20th and arrived in New Orleans on the last day of February. By the 29th, Wakeman and the 153rd were in the city of Algiers, which lays opposite the Mississippi River from New Orleans. In a letter dated March 8th, 
Wakeman wrote to her parents from camp in Franklin, Louisiana, and told them her unit was now under the command of Major General Nathaniel P. Banks. Quote, We expect to march soon for Alexandria, Louisiana and the Red River. We expect to have some fighting to do before we get there to the Red River. I don't never expect to see you again in this world. On March 15th, the troops departed from Franklin, Louisiana, with the goal of reaching Alexandria, which was 180 miles away. There they would rendezvous with elements of the 16th and 17th Corps, and the combined land forces would be complemented by the naval fleet, which was heading up the Red River to Alexandria. The plan was then for the entire expedition to travel another 170 miles up the Red River to take Shreveport. Wakeman and her regiment reached Alexandria, Louisiana on March 25, 1864, after a 10-day march covering an average of 18 miles a day. Wakeman found time on March 27 to write to her parents, letting them know that she had arrived in Alexandria and they were expecting to start their march to Shreveport the following day. After a couple of days of rest and a lot of marching, Wakeman's regiment was tasked with guarding the division wagon train while the Battle of Sabine Crossroads raged on several miles away. The Battle of Sabine Crossroads, also known as the Battle of Mansfield, took place on April 8, 1864. It was part of the Red River Campaign during the American Civil War when Union forces were attempting to occupy the Louisiana State Capitol, Shreveport. The Battle of Sabine Crossroads was followed immediately by the Battle of Pleasant Hill. In the early morning hours of April 9th, the 153rd New York reinforced the Union troops that had fought at the Battle of Sabine Crossroads and they retraced their steps 8 miles to Pleasant Hill. There, a defensive position was held beginning at 8 a.m. At 11 a.m., the Union troops assumed a new position and the enemy began scouting their position and as early as, quote, 1 or 2 o'clock opened a sharp fire of skirmishers, which was kept up at intervals during the afternoon. After hours of dealing with the Confederate artillery pounding away, at 5 p.m., the Confederate forces launched their attack, charging the entire Union line. All throughout the numerous Confederate assaults, Private Wakeman stood her ground and did what was required of her. While most reports show that the Confederate commander, Major General Richard Taylor, had the advantage in the numbers, the majority of historians consider the battle to be a Union tactical victory. Wakeman was present at the front lines during the four-hour Battle of Pleasant Hill, which ended with nightfall. Around midnight, the remaining Union troops began a 40-mile retreat back to Grand Ecore Landing, arriving there on April 11th. Three days later, Sarah Rosetta Wakeman wrote her last letter home. April 14, 1864. Quote, Dear mother and father, brothers and sisters, I take my time to write a few lines to you. I am well and in good spirit and I hope those few lines will find you all the same. Our army made an advance of the river to Pleasant Hill about 40 miles. There we had a fight. The first day of the fight our army got whipped and we had a retreat back about 10 miles. The next day the fight was renewed and the firing took place about 8 o'clock in the morning. There was heavy cannoning all day and the sharp firing of infantry. 
I was not in the first day's fight, but the next day I had to face the enemy bullets with my regiment. I was under fire about four hours and laid on the field of battle all night. There were three wounded in my company and one killed. I feel thankful to God that he spared my life and I pray to him that he will lead me safe through the field of battle and that I may return safe home. I received your kind and welcome letter the other day. I was glad to learn that you were going to work the ham farm this summer and milk 20 cows. I would advise you to buy the farm and if you will, I will come home and help you pay for it if I live to get out of the army. I can't think of any more to write at present, so goodbye from your affectionate, Edwin R. Wakeman. We here at Hidden History feel that this final letter by Rosetta is special because it was the first letter she wrote after experiencing battle. In past letters, whenever Rosetta spoke of the battlefield or not returning home, she seemed almost to embrace it, as if she was content to die during the war if that was meant to be. But in this final letter, after coming face to face with death, something feels different. Rosetta is not only grateful to still be alive, but she has something to look forward to if she makes it home the second farm her father may purchase. We may be looking too deeply into this letter, and we may be entirely wrong, but it's just something to think about. On a side note, Rosetta signed this final letter as Edwin R. Wakeman. While we are not sure where she got the name Edwin from, we do know this. The first time Rosetta ended a letter with Edwin R. Wakeman was in December 1863, seven months after Colonel Edwin P. Davis was given command of the 153rd. On April 21st, the 153rd learned that the Confederate troops under Major General Taylor had snuck around their rear further down the river. As a result, that evening the Army began a 70-mile retreat to Alexandria by forced march. They had to march all that night and the following day, with the enemy harassing their rear guard. By midnight of April 22nd, they had covered 35 miles in 14 hours, having stopped only once for a meal. The troops were beyond exhausted and at 1 o'clock in the morning they stopped for a brief rest before being forced to wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning to resume the forced march. The Union troops finally had to deal with the Confederates on April 23rd and fierce fighting resulted between the two armies. At 6 a.m. on the morning of April 24th, the Union troops were able to resume their retreat, but much of the day was wasted when it was discovered that the Army had taken a wrong road in the Pine Woods and was lost. With nothing left to do but continue marching, the Army covered 18 miles before camping for the night at Henderson's Bluff. April 25th arrived extremely hot and dusty, and still the soldiers had to march on another 19 miles before finally reaching Alexandria. Wakeman and her fellow soldiers settled into camp just north of town, while the high command tried to figure out how to cross over the rapids above Alexandria, since the Red River had fallen so low. It was during this time while the top brass were developing a plan to get the ironclads and gunboats over the rapids that Wakeman fell ill. She was admitted to the 153rd Regimental Hospital on May 3rd, complaining of chronic diarrhea. She and the other troops had persevered through almost 400 miles of hard marching, camping, and fighting in a subtropical climate. On top of that, bad water along with unappealing and infrequent meals did not help the situation. Overall, all of these conditions were not ideal for good human health.
Assistant Surgeon Beecher of the 114th New York wrote that, quote, the effect of this Louisiana climate upon the new regiments was truly appalling. While the acclimated members of the 114th were enjoying a complete immunity from the disease, all around was daily heard the march of military funerals. Scurvy and chronic diarrhea were carrying off thousands of victims to untimely graves. From the 153rd Regimental Hospital, Wakeman was sent to the Marine USA General Hospital in New Orleans on May 7th, but was not admitted to the hospital until May 22nd. While the trip should have taken five or six days at the most, Wakeman's voyage to New Orleans took 15 days and was mainly overland. A trip of this length in uncomfortable conveyances over rough roads would have further weakened anyone with Wakeman's disease. By the time she reached New Orleans, her condition was no longer chronic, but acute. While chronic diarrhea is something easily treatable in today's day and age, the same couldn't be said in 1864. Because 19th century doctors knew so little about intestinal disorders, they prescribed anything and everything as treatment. Favorite medications were whiskey, as well as such purgatives as turpentine and castor oil, which of course further inflamed the intestinal tract. Wakeman fought off the disease for almost a month before finally losing the battle on June 19, 1864. By the end of her life, the disease she was suffering from would have left her unable to move from her bed and attend to her own sanitary needs. And yet the secret that she was really a woman pretending to be a man was never discovered. If indeed the truth was discovered about Wakeman at some point during her stay at the Marine USA General Hospital, it was never reported by anyone on the hospital staff. We know this because had the truth been revealed, a doctor would have definitely made note of it in Wakeman's medical records, and yet such a note does not exist. If that note does exist, however, we would definitely like to see it. News of Private Wakeman's death did not reach the 153rd New York until two months later in August 1864. There is no existing evidence that shows us how Wakeman's family learned of her death, but at some point her death was reported to family members. We know this because the 1865 New York State Census included information about soldiers who died during the Civil War, as reported by their families, and Private Lyons Wakeman, 21 years of age, is listed among the dead. One bit of information in that 1865 New York Census that isn't widely known, a little hidden history discovery, is that on the last page of the census regarding soldiers who died during the Civil War, there is a comments or remarks section for each soldier. For Private Lyons Wakeman, in that section it says, quote, right name was Sarah R. Wakeman. This discovery proves that while Rosetta was buried as a man, there was documentation in 1865 that proved she was actually a woman and no one caught on to it until now. And please see our website for images of the 1865 New York State Census. Sarah Rosetta Wakeman was buried with full military honors at Chalmette National Cemetery in New Orleans. On her tombstone is her enlisted name, Lyons Wakeman. In 1994, Wakeman's letters were edited and published in a book titled An Uncommon Soldier, the Civil War Letters of Sarah Rosetta Wakeman, alias Private Lyons Wakeman, 153rd Regiment, New York State Volunteers, 1862-1864, by Lauren Cook Burgess. 
That book was a major reason we were able to do this episode, and so we would like to thank Ms. Burgess for her hard work and dedication. It is because of Ms. Burgess and the descendants of Sarah Rosetta Wakeman that we here at Hidden History were able to piece together Wakeman's story from her letters and hopefully allow her memory to live on through all of our listeners. Thank you for listening and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Each episode of Hidden History will explore a story that has been hidden in the pages of history and needs to be told. Pictures, newspaper clippings, and links to external articles relating to a particular episode will be available on our website. Thanks again for listening. I'm John Rodriguez, and this has been Hidden History, an Odyssey Through Time.